When I was in elementary school, I had the same teacher for two years in a row. Mr. Feninga was his name. So for fourth and fifth grade. And Mr. Feninga was one of those teachers that we kids loved, but he got himself in trouble with the parents pretty often. Um, and in a little bit with the school as well. Um, just to give you a, kind of a, just one detail, an example of typical type of thing that he would do. We actually literally had a tank with piranhas in the back of the classroom. <laughs> he was one of those teachers you never knew when you came in in the morning whether he'd be dressed as some historical figure or maybe it was an ape growling around the classroom. Uh, but one of the lessons that he taught us that stays with me today was one day when in the classroom one of the kids raised his hand and he said, Mr. Feninga, what just happened? That wasn't fair. Now all the rest of us kids, we, we I think, had seen what had happened and we knew the thing wasn't a fair thing and could have been fixed and we expected that Mr. Feninga was going to make it right because he's the teacher. You just expect that that's going to happen, he's going to make it correct. But what he said was, oh, you say that that wasn't fair? Well, this is good. This is, this is a good lesson for you because life often isn't fair. And then we went on with the rest of the lesson for the day. We are new in town and in our neighborhood. We're getting to know some of the other families and I was talking with a couple who are both lawyers and they've got some little kids and this is a very Washington DC story. The, the kids are um, like many kids running around saying, you know, with siblings I think it's even more common, that's not fair, that's not fair. And the parents said, you can't say that's not fair anymore because we're tired of hearing it. And remember, these are children of lawyers. What they now say is, that's not equitable, that's not equitable. <laughs> And that is life. This lesson that we were given wasn't the lesson we expected from our teacher, but it was preparation for what is real. Being in this incredible city of Washington, D.C., one of the things that strikes me all the time are these monuments that we see, remembering people who have done great things, who have left a legacy, often people who have fought to bring fairness, to bring justice and equity Many people who did not get to live to see the results of their labor were still working to bring more, even, for some of the causes that they had already lived and died for. And one thing about those people, the ones who we remember, the ones who have been so successful, they were the ones who came into the situation not with an assumption that there was going to be fairness, but with a willingness to make their lives part of bringing the fairness that is needed. An important lesson. And what gave them the strength to do that, especially when they were faced with horrendous challenges, is that they had hope. That they had a vision that they could imagine things could be the way they would be if the kingdom of God was as it is on earth. This brings me to the parable today, that memorable parable of the woman, the widow who goes up to the judge, and, and it's very clear we know what kind of a judge this is. He's called, even by Jesus himself, he calls him the unjust judge. 
it's almost humorous, where he is described as somebody who doesn't fear God and he has no respect for anybody. Literally, in the Greek, the way it's described is that he cannot be shamed. This person cannot know shame. He is shameless. And the widow who goes up to him. Now, remember, in Jesus' day, a widow would have had less rights than just about anybody else. A woman typically wouldn't have been able to go up to a judge and defend her case in, in any case. And so typically, it would be the husband's job to do that. And if there was no husband, it would be one of her sons, if she had sons, or a brother, or maybe an uncle. And obviously, this woman has none of those things. And so she alone goes up to face this unjust judge who respects nobody and is shameless. And she doesn't give up. Somehow, she has a hope that allows her to continue on and continue on. It's important to clarify, too, in this lesson that I think sometimes people make the mistake and they hear that there's a parable with a judge in the parable and they think that represents God. Not at all in this case. In fact, this judge is the exact opposite of God. But eventually, even this rotten-to-the-core judge does the right thing. So Jesus' point is, how much more should we have hope, like this woman gave as an example? Something that this woman had, I believe, is more than just hope, but it's something we call courage. The word courage, the, the root of the word is the word core, which in Latin means heart. Brene Brown, who's an Episcopalian in Texas who has been writing books and giving talks, has been speaking a lot about courage lately and reminding us that what courage is about, it's more than being brave, it's being wholehearted, to live with all of your heart, to live with courage, like this woman. The prophet Jeremiah has a lot to say about hearts in the reading that we heard also this morning. And the book of Jeremiah is, depending on how you count, is probably the longest book in the whole Old Testament. But this very short passage that we heard is probably the critical part, the turning point in the whole book. And Jeremiah, as a prophet, um, had a difficult life. He was the one who was telling everybody the truth that they didn't want to hear. You've heard that phrase, to afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. Well, Jeremiah did a lot of the former. And he suffered during his lifetime for it. But here was a turning point where he shifts and he gives a word of hope, a vision of hope, a beautiful vision, where he says that things are going to be different now. Yes, it's true that the promises we made to God, the promises that the people have made, uh, they have broken those promises. They have not been able to follow the law that the Lord set out. But now it's going to be different because God is going to do a new thing, create a new promise, a new covenant. It's not a new law, but a new relationship. And that relationship involves the law to be written, inscribed on the hearts of the people. And so no longer are people going to talk about knowing the Lord because everybody will know the Lord. You just have to look in your heart and you will be guided to where the Lord is and what the Lord teaches. And so this brings us to us. 
here we are living these lives where we're only given so many days, so many years, and what will we do with them? Will we live with courage? Will we live with hope? Will we use the gifts that have come to us to make this world a more equitable, just, fair, and holy world? I think it's good to remember that we are given these lives that are a blessing to us, and there's so much goodness in them, but these mortal lives that we have, the realm of the now, is actually not all that there is. God's realm is the realm of the eternal, and the two do touch each other. Jesus will find standing at our core, at our center, if we look. And he is there holding the two realms together, the, the now and the eternal, and bringing them together to give us the courage to be people with whole hearts and people of hope. Amen.